you're listening to Good Hustle, a podcast about bad teams. I'm Andrew Mackey. Welcome to the second episode of Good Hustle. If you liked our first episode, make sure you're subscribing to the Good Hustle feed wherever you get your podcast. And if you could drop a nice five-star rating with a written review on iTunes, that'll help grow the show a ton. What also helps is word of mouth. If you could tell your friends or even strangers who you know like sports, but you don't necessarily have a nice way to break the ice, maybe you can bond over this show. After all, misery does love company. And this show loves misery. So for episode number two, we're heading up to Cleveland. And don't you know, the Good Hustle podcast loves the factory of sadness. You may be asking, why aren't we doing the 0-16 and Browns season? Well, football is coming, but it'll be in the fall. And all I can say is that we will be revisiting Cleveland and Detroit again when the skies are a bit more gray and the air starts to chill. But for now, we're going to leave it all on the hardwood and looking back on a season that was filled with high emotions and low talent. So make your hair as big as it can possibly get, slap on that headband, and get ready to take some charges. Good Hustle presents the story of the 2010-2011 Cleveland Cavaliers. Chapter 1. Dear Cleveland. I want you to think of a person. Think of the most frustrating person in your life, maybe in the whole world. Now as a writing exercise, open up Word or Google Docs or whatever you use and just pour it all on there. All your venom, your hurt, everything. Then I want you to select all. Change the color to royal blue. And most importantly, Change the font to Comic Sans. Now, look it over. Do you feel like this reflects your rage, your disappointment, your betrayal? Do these words reflect your immense anger with the seriousness that these feelings deserve? Do you have anyone out there telling you that making this public could hurt your reputation? Maybe it would hurt your business. No one? Good. Now post it to the internet. After watching mounds of clothing set ablaze around Cleveland, the smoke of navy, wine, and gold number 23 jerseys billowing up towards the top of Terminal Tower, Twitter mentions flooded with hurt, rage, fear, and anger. Cavaliers owner Dan Gilbert addressed the angry mob of Cavaliers Nation with a letter. It began... Dear Cleveland, All of Northeast Ohio and Cleveland Cavaliers supporters, wherever you may be tonight. As you know, our former hero, who grew up in the very region that he deserted this evening, is no longer a Cleveland Cavalier. This was announced with a several-day narcissistic self-promotional buildup, culminating with a national television special of his TV decision unlike anything ever witnessed in the history of sports and probably the history of entertainment. Clearly, this is bitterly disappointing to all of us. 
The good news is that the ownership team and the rest of the hardworking, loyal, and driven staff over here at your hometown Cavaliers have not betrayed you, nor never will betray you. There is so much more to tell you about the events of the recent past and our more than exciting future. Over the next several days and weeks, we will be communicating much of that to you. You simply don't deserve this kind of cowardly betrayal. You have given so much and deserve so much more. In the meantime, I want to make one statement to you tonight. I personally guarantee that the Cleveland Cavaliers will win an NBA championship before the self-titled former King wins one. You can take it to the bank. If you thought we were motivated before tonight to bring the hardware to Cleveland, I can tell you that this shameful display of selfishness and betrayal by one of our very own has shifted our motivation to previously unknown and previously never experienced levels. Some people think they should go to heaven, but not have to die to get there. Sorry, but that's simply not how it works. This shocking act of disloyalty from our homegrown chosen one sends the exact opposite lesson of what we would want our children to learn and who we would want them to grow up to become. But the good news is that this heartless and callous action can only serve as the antidote to the so-called curse on Cleveland, Ohio. The self-declared former king will be taking the curse with him down south. And until he does right by Cleveland and Ohio, James and the town where he plays will unfortunately own this dreaded spell and bad karma. Just watch. Sleep well, Cleveland. Tomorrow is a new and much brighter day. I promise you that our energy, focus, capital, knowledge, and experience will be directed at one thing and one thing only, delivering you the championship you have long deserved and is long overdue. Dan Gilbert, Majority Owner, Cleveland Cavaliers. So this remains probably the most iconic use of Comic Sans to this very day. And it was. It was a Comic Sans letter that was posted by the Cleveland Cavaliers owner on the Cavs website on July 8, 2010. How did we get to this point? A point where Clevelanders are burning LeBron James jerseys in the streets. A man worth billions of dollars firing off an angry letter in Comic Sans that would go down in basketball history. It's because LeBron James put on a television show. The decision was aired on July 8, 2010. Wikipedia calmly calls it a television special in which free agent National Basketball Association player LeBron James announced that he would be signing with the Miami Heat instead of returning to his hometown Cleveland Cavaliers. Sportscaster Jim Gray had pitched the idea to LeBron James's management team and ESPN for an hour-long show in which James would announce his free agent decision. Gray once worked for ESPN, and James's management team insisted that Gray, who had a lot of respect and gravitas as a journalist, should be involved in the interview. ESPN would provide airtime, 
which would allow LeBron's team to sell ads in exchange for the story. The Boys and Girls Club of Greenwich, Connecticut hosted the program. It raised over $2.5 million for charity. Ad sales would bring in another $3.5 million in additional money. About 30 minutes into the broadcast, LeBron James said to Gray, quote, This is very tough. In this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and join the Miami Heat. I'm going to interject for a second here. I'm taking my talents too. Those words have pretty much taken on a life of their own. It's the lasting legacy of this interview. James would continue. I feel like it's going to give me the best opportunity to win and to win for multiple years. And not only just to win in the regular season or just to win five games in a row or three games in a row. I want to be able to win championships. And I feel like I can compete down there, unquote. James was referencing the fact that the Cavaliers had been at the top of the NBA for the past few years. In each of the last two seasons, they had won 60-plus games. But LeBron James had only been to the finals one time during this stretch. And in that trip to the finals, he didn't win a game. And that's the setup of our story. A professional basketball player left his professional basketball team to join another professional basketball team. The rest is history. Following up on the letter, on July 12, 2010, NBA Commissioner David Stern fined Cavaliers owner Dan Gilbert $100,000 for his remarks. Gilbert has since said he regretted the letter, which he wrote in 45 minutes while his emotions were running high. It was taken down from the team website after a few weeks, but remained widely available on the internet. And in fact, if you would like to see it in all of its Comic Sans glory, you still can. Just search Dan Gilbert, and one of the first things that pops up is Comic Sans. Though some members of the media criticized Gilbert for this letter, and many others thought it was incredibly unprofessional, many Cavaliers fans embraced him for it and offered to pay the fine. Gilbert, being a billionaire, instead insisted on donating the money to charity. But in this dark hour of Cleveland basketball, Dan Gilbert, in a Comic Sans letter, had made himself a hero. So the offseason was over. The face of the franchise and hometown hero was gone, but the Cavaliers had to move forward. And they did so with new uniforms. Before the curtain dropped revealing their new uniforms for the 2010-2011 season, Dan Gilbert said the jerseys would feature a Comic Sans font, referencing his earlier letter. Now, of course, Gilbert was joking. Uh, they're completely different, though, from the LeBron-era ones. They changed the primary color from navy to that wine red, but they're sharp-looking. They're not as iconic as the amazingly 1990s jerseys that they would wear from 1994 to 97, which, if you have Google, is an incredible era for bad basketball jerseys. At this event, Mr. Cavalier, Austin Carr, a former player who had his number retired by the team, was on hand to help with the unveiling of the jerseys. The team no longer had a face to the franchise, so they had to reach back into history. Carr remembered his playing days in the 70s when the Cavs had similar jerseys, and those jerseys are really slick. They're real classics. The 70-74 Cavs jerseys, really nice. They've even got like a feather underneath the name Cavaliers. Carr would talk about the 70s team, saying that they were 12 men deep, and every night we knew we were going to play 100%, that nobody was going to quit. The nobody was going to quit is a dig at LeBron. During the last playoff series in 2010, LeBron, many people thought, had quit on his team in the series with the Celtics. He then quit, really quit, when he left the Cavs during the summer and joined the Heat. 
The rest of the night was dedicated to looking forward and speculating about the new season. Cleveland basketball was moving forward, one step at a time. Chapter 2 You Simply Don't Deserve This Kind of Cowardly Betrayal The Celtics were the opening night team for the new-look Cavaliers. Cleveland was starting the season with the very same team that had ended their season, and LeBron James's tenure with the Cavaliers. Boston had defeated the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference semifinals and were putting out a lineup filled with all-stars and future Hall of Famers. This lineup included sharpshooters Paul Pierce and Ray Allen, tenacious forward Kevin Garnett, up-and-coming point guard Rajon Rondo, and aging legendary center Shaquille O'Neal, who just the previous season was on the Cavaliers as part of his quest for an additional NBA title. The Cavaliers rolled out a lineup that featured many of the same players from the deciding playoff series a year prior. Mo Williams, Anthony Parker, Anderson Verajao, Antoine Jameson, Daniel Booby Gibson, Jamario Moon, and J.J. Hickson were all still with the Cavaliers, a team that just the year prior had the best record in basketball at 61 wins and 21 losses. Outside of Shaq, who left in free agency for Boston, the Cavaliers had lost Mike Brown, who was fired after the playoff series, guard Delonte West, who had been traded, beloved but aging Cavaliers center Soldrunas Elgowskis, who was chasing an NBA championship of his own late in his career. He himself had also signed with Miami during the offseason, though it was not a part of an ESPN special. And of course, undesirable number one himself, the two-time reigning NBA most valuable player, LeBron James. The Cavaliers would begin the post-LeBron era with a stunning 95-87 victory over the heavily favored Celtics. The Cavaliers had trailed by as much as 11 points, but showed their mettle in the final minutes, pulling out a win in front of a sold-out crowd. I think their true strength is playing together. They don't have the one go-to guy, but they do play well together. They play hard, and when you don't match that, you find yourself in trouble, said Kevin Garnett of the Celtics. So lots of turnover, yes, but lots of the same guys were still here. Things weren't going to be that bad, right? There were lots of fears that Cleveland was about to fall off a cliff into the abyss once LeBron James had left. But this team on opening night, they were scrappy. They played together, and they played with heart, something that Cavs fans needed to see after many felt James had quit on them during the last game with the team. New head coach Byron Scott said about the game, This is how we've got to play basketball. We played really hard all night long. Hardworking was definitely an attribute Clevelanders could relate to. To make things even sweeter for Cavs fans, the new super team in Miami, the one that James had joined with friends Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, they lost their opening game of the season. By November 16th, 10 games into the season, Miami was 6-4. The Cleveland Cavaliers, they're 5-5. Five five. But the game everybody had marked on their calendar was coming up. December 2nd, Miami at Cleveland. To prepare for the occasion, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, the city's biggest newspaper, interviewed the team chaplain, who urged forgiveness. A local therapist invoked Benedict Arnold, but preached positive psychology and urged fans to show a classy response to James. Few of them would get the message. Cavaliers management wanted fans to view this as just another game in a young season, but that was not going to work either. This was D-Day. James was back in town with his new team, the Miami Heat. In all of sports, there has never been anything like this. Other star players have come and gone. They get vilified upon returning, people get upset. But no one 
Combine James's importance and ties to the city. I mean, the kid grew up in Akron. He's just a kid from Akron. On top of his greatest of all time playing ability. The Cavaliers had said that offensive signs and t-shirts were to be banned from Quicken Loans Arena. But many made it through the entrance. Clevelanders, they're resilient. Many called James a sellout. Lots of signs displaying the term quitness, which was a play on LeBron's We Are Witnesses ad campaign during his time with the team. They had Lion King shirts featuring James's face on a lion's head, lion being spelled L-Y-I-N. Clevelanders had been waiting for months to unleash this anger. They were waiting to jump out of LeBron's Twitter mentions and get the chance to call him a traitor to his face. The crowd was more like the Roman Coliseum during a gladiator fights. Chants were personal. Hurt feelings on display. There were fist fights in the crowd. Cleveland and all of Northeast Ohio, they were ready. They were organized and they were angry. LeBron has a pregame routine. He's done it since he was a Cavalier, where he goes over to the scores table and throws talcum powder up in the air and watches this big cloud sort of come down. He did that on the road in Cleveland, and Cleveland was livid. Anytime LeBron went onto the court, he got booed. Anytime LeBron touched the ball, he got booed. Anytime LeBron breathed, you guessed it, he got booed. And the Clevelanders, they were ready with chants. In fact, one of the most creative chants was a loud chorus of Akron hates you while James was shooting a foul shot. He just casually laughs it off, sinks both his shots. The game, it was out of hand. Daniel Gibson led the Cavaliers with 21 points off the bench. But Mo Williams was the team's only starter in double-figure points. LeBron, he outscored Cleveland's entire starting lineup that game by 10 whole points. James, in the fourth quarter, he was just resting on the bench. It's nothing personal, James said afterwards. It's a basketball game. I had to maintain my focus no matter what's being said or what's done through that game. The Heat, they won 118-90. to LeBron would be taking his talents back to South Beach. And Cleveland, well, they would be circling March 29th on their calendar now. It's what the reporters joked would be the most important 73rd game of a season in NBA history. The Heat would be back. Chapter 3. You have given so much and deserve so much more. When the Cavaliers met the Heat in Cleveland on December 2nd, they had just lost two games in a row and were sitting on seven wins for the season. The Cavs played Miami two weeks later in Miami, and they were still sitting on seven wins. But the losing streak, it had grown to nine. They had lost that game too, 101-95. to During December, the Cavaliers would only win one game for the month. January had 16 games on the schedule, including a third meeting with LeBron James and the Heat. By this point, the teams were 48 games into the season. Miami had won 33. Cleveland had won just eight. The Cavs didn't win a single game in January. They would finally break the streak on February 11th, beating the Los Angeles Clippers. But history had already been made. The Cavaliers had lost 26 straight games that season including 35 of their previous 37. After losing all those games, the front office realized that some changes might have to be made. So on February 24th, they sent their starting point guard, Mo Williams, and the guy who had replaced LeBron in the starting lineup, Jamario Moon, to the Los Angeles Clippers. The Cavaliers received an unprotected first-round pick that, according to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, would be, quote, likely a lottery selection, although this draft is not considered to be particularly strong, unquote. The trade also brought former two-time All-Star Baron Davis to the Cavaliers and reunited him with coach Byron Scott. The last time this tandem was together was when they were both playing in New Orleans. 
they really didn't get along, and Davis was traded from the team. So man the barricades. Game 73, it's finally here. March 29th, 2011. Miami came back to Cleveland with a record of 51-22. and The Cavaliers were holding down home court at 14-58. and During their first meeting of the season, the one on December 2nd, you know, the one with the fist fights and the chants, LeBron James had brought a bazooka to a fist fight. The Cavaliers, they never looked farther from Dan Gilbert's proclamation that they would win a title before James and his new Heat teammates. But this time, it was James who left the floor beaten. Cleveland had finally beaten LeBron, and it was a cause for a celebration. Overlooking the fact that LeBron finished with 27 points, 12 assists, and 10 rebounds, otherwise known as a triple-double, it was another night of constant booing from fans who wanted nothing more than to see him suffer and lose. James, he took the loss in stride, giving the Cavaliers credit. Anytime we play anybody, we know we're going to get the best out of them. They came out and played extremely well. It was a good win for them, James said. This was for the fans and for their support, Cavaliers guard Daniel Gibson said. They've stayed behind us, and this was a way of saying thank you. The Heat had rallied from a 71-48 deficit, tying it at 83-83. But Miami went scoreless for a 4-minute, 24-second stretch, and the Cavs played like it was the NBA Finals. For the Cavs, this was just their 15th win of the season. But it was the best game they had played. They had won by more points than any other time during the season. After enduring a season of torture, Cleveland rejoiced. Comic Sans enthusiast Dan Gilbert was smiling and high-fiving anyone within reach. For a meaningless game, this game meant everything for the fans. On the floor afterwards, Anthony Parker, whose three-pointer with two minutes left capped a 12-0 run and put the heat away, he addressed Cavs fans from the floor. You guys deserve it. The crowd erupted in approval. As he was leaving the arena, Cavaliers coach Byron Scott smiled and accepted fist bumps and congratulations from security guards lining the hallway. Coach, one of them said, we're going to be talking about this one all summer. The Cavs season would end nine games later. The Cavaliers finished their season with a 19-63 record, including a then-NBA record 26-game losing streak. They were owners of the worst record in the Eastern Conference and the second worst in the whole league. Miami finished second in the East and they finished with 58 wins. The Cavaliers had finally completed year one post-LeBron. It was a disaster. James would go on to the NBA Finals that season. The city of Cleveland united behind German power forward Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks. Cleveland practically willed them to a Finals victory over the Heat. I remember people locally treated LeBron losing in the finals like a championship for Cleveland. They were so ecstatic. People would go to bars and just yell and chant and be in the moment. It meant everything to see him lose. If they couldn't have it, he couldn't have it. But this would be the last year that the Cavaliers and LeBron James would both be without championships. During the next three seasons, LeBron would finally get his first NBA championship. Then he'd tack on a second. He would win two NBA Finals Most Valuable Player awards, and he would become NBA's Most Valuable Player two more times. Cleveland? They wouldn't make the playoffs. So what is there to look forward to if you're a Cavaliers fan at the end of the season? Well, the 2011 NBA Draft Lottery. With bad seasons come good chances. The Cavaliers were definitely looking forward to the draft, even if most thought the talent level was okay at best. Cavs owner and Comic Sans advocate Dan Gilbert had a secret weapon for the draft. He was going to send his hero, 14-year-old Nick Gilbert, the owner's son, was going to represent the team at the lottery. Nick suffers from neurofibromatosis, which causes tumors to grow anywhere on the body at pretty much any time. The way the NBA determines where teams pick in the draft is based on a combination of your record from the previous year and ping pong balls, literally. 
Cleveland's own pick, the one made in the horrors of their 19-win season, had a 19.9% chance of having their ball land at the top spot. The Cavaliers also had the Los Angeles Clippers' first-round pick. This is the pick that they had gotten in the trade for Jamario Moon and Mo Williams back in February. It had a 2.8% chance of getting the top spot, but Cleveland had a couple of opportunities. Besides Nick Gilbert, the Cavaliers also brought along current Cleveland Browns Josh Cribbs and Joe Hayden, dressed in the Cavs' new jerseys, and former Browns star Bernie Kosar for good luck. So this is where I'm going to take a moment to talk about the Browns. Josh Cribbs had a career record with Cleveland that was less than stellar. He would end up finishing 43-85 and with only one winning season during his time with the team. Hayden would be cut just prior to the Browns' famous 0-16 season. He would finish with a record of 29 wins and 83 losses, but never got to play on a winning team with the Cleveland. Kosar is a popular and legendary Browns quarterback. He was the team's quarterback during The Drive, a game back in 1986. This game is best remembered in Cleveland and Denver as the game where the Broncos would drive 98 yards and 15 plays and tie the game with 37 seconds left. Denver would then win the game in overtime and go to the Super Bowl. The very next year, Denver and Cleveland would play again in the AFC Championship game. This game is remembered as the fumble because Browns running back Ernest Biner would fumble at the two-yard line with a minute five seconds left, and again, the Browns would lose and miss out on advancing to the Super Bowl. So there you go, Cleveland. These are your good luck charms in 2011. And in true Cleveland fashion, their own pick ended up falling fourth in the lottery. But in true Nick Gilbert human good luck charm fashion, he defied the odds, and the Cavaliers, they won the top spot in the draft lottery with the Clippers pick. Nick Gilbert would represent Cleveland again in the 2012 and 2013 NBA drafts. And again, with Nick Gilbert present, the Cavaliers would win the 2013 lottery. With the first overall pick in the 2011 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers selected Duke point guard Kyrie Irving. With the fourth pick, they selected forward center out of Texas, Tristan Thompson. This draft actually turned out to be a pretty good draft, both for the NBA and for the Cavaliers. Four first-round picks in that draft, including three of the top four players, Irving, Thompson, Derek Williams, and Iman Shumpert, eventually would all become teammates on the Cavs. Four years after the decision, James opted out of his contract with Miami, and he had a meeting with Dan Gilbert. Gilbert apologized to James for the open letter. He said, LeBron, we've had some good years together and one bad night, like a marriage that's good and one bad thing happens and you never talk to each other again. James also expressed his regret to Gilbert about the decision. Two days later, on July 11, 2014, LeBron published an article in Sports Illustrated. He was announcing his return to the Cavaliers for the 2014-2015 season. He alluded to the controversy surrounding the special, saying, quote, I'm not having a press conference or a party. James would further explain his homecoming to Cleveland, saying, quote, I've met with Dan face-to-face, man-to-man. We talked it out. Everyone makes mistakes. I've made mistakes as well. Who am I to hold a grudge? James was a benevolent king. LeBron was home, and Cavalier fans quickly forgave him. He took the team to the NBA Finals in his first season back, losing to the Golden State Warriors. The next season, LeBron and the Cavaliers, they'd be back to the Finals. Two years in a row now. They went down early, but the Warriors... They'd blow a 3-1 lead to the Cavaliers. It forced a Game 7. LeBron played his heart out and gave Cleveland something else to remember. The block. Three of the players drafted in the first round of the 2011 draft that season were still on the team. Tristan Thompson, Iman Shumpert, and Kyrie Irving. They, along with James, would become NBA champions. The Cavs, they avenged the finals loss a year prior. They had won Cleveland its first championship in 52 years. Over 1.3 million people 
many of whom had burned LeBron's jerseys just a few years prior, were back on the streets. Only this time, they were celebrating the world champions of basketball, a team that was built in the darkness of the 2010-2011 season. Since James had been back, the Cavaliers have gone to four straight NBA championship games. They've only won one, they've lost three. All the meetings have been against Golden State. During the middle part of this season, the Cavaliers, in an effort to remain more competitive, blew up the entire roster. They pretty much added entirely new players to surround James with. The team was swept in the NBA Finals. Many are asking what does the future hold for this Cavaliers team? Oh, and in case you were wondering, LeBron James, he's scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent again on July 1st, 2018. Have a team you'd like featured on Good Hustle? Visit the show at goodhustlepodcast.com. Good Hustle is created, written, edited, and hosted by Andrew Mackey. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Carolyn Mackey, my grandmother who passed away this week. She was one of the people who got me into sports. She was one of the first people to take her talent to South Beach, and now she's taking her talents to heaven. We miss you, Grandma.